Blog oh, Talk Radio. Hey, Sean, can you hear me now? I can, I can. Oh, my gosh. Just one second. We're going to restart this episode. This is probably the funniest thing I've gone through in a very long time, but I'm very appreciative. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very appreciative. Okay, I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay, no worries, no worries. Uh, how's everybody doing? Wow, this is the rough start, everybody. <laughs> I started one episode prior to this, and then my mic cut off for some reason. And then <laughs> I get a phone call from the hospital. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was Sean. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to end my life. And the person's like, excuse me? <laughs> I was like, wow. Wow. Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I mean, it's not a bad life at all. I mean, I'm not complaining, but that was a hilarious domino effect of bad things happening. How are you guys doing? Are you guys doing okay? Thank you to Sean for uh, you know putting up with this uh, this hiccup here. Um, I'm glad you guys are all here. I mean, it's been a, a year since we've uh, since we've spoken with each other and. You know, the one thing I want to say to you before we start this interview is, uh, you know, if you have time in your life, you know, spend that time with your family. And you know, if you're having issues, like we took a year off from this radio show, myself, you know. And when I first started off, we had the Dalai Lama and Deepak Chopra, the most famous human beings on the planet Earth. And now every, you know, Gamo has a, has a, you know, has a talk show. Everybody has a, a blog or a vlog or whatever you want to call it. So it's, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is, you know, but I'm very happy to have my show. You know, I took a mental health break, you know, after um, I did a couple Black Lives episodes and just decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take some time since a lot of things are changing to focus on, on, you know, my life, my own mental health and my own creativity and, and focus on that. And it was a great choice because, uh, you know, I'm happier than ever to a certain extent. I mean, there's always things to improve on, aren't there? But I'm glad I'm here with you. I'm glad you're all here. And I appreciate all of you. So without much ado, let's bring on... Uh, listening to Cinema Files Radio with your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for being here with us. That... <laughs> Alright, let's give him a let's give him a little clap here, right? Oh, where is that? Oh, there we go. All right. <laughs> let's do that again. Hey Sean. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh my gosh. That was uh that was a horror show right there. I had technical difficulties. That's what's always we... fun about doing uh, stuff like this. Well, a lot of a lot of different shows have producers, and this is the very reason why they have producers, so they have somebody else to scream at. <laughs> <laughs> the only person I can scream at here is myself. It's like you idiot. <laughs> so you know, 
you know, we've known each other for quite a long time. You've done a, you've done a lot of movies for net. You know, we want I just want to get straight into this interview because uh, um, I want everybody to know about uh, this film uh, that you have right now on Netflix, which is, um, you know, uh, a California Christmas uh, city lights, which is a sequel to a California Christmas, which was number one for quite a long time uh, last Christmas, which by the way, wasn't a surprise to me, but it was definitely a surprise to all of us who worked on it. Um, you know, of course, when you're making a movie, you, you want it to do well. And, and, you know, the best thing you can wish for is that it actually finds its audience, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, I don't know what, uh, what exactly we did to get so lucky, but obviously a, a wonderful cast and uh, the crew was incredible and everybody put in the, uh, so much effort uh, on that first one and the second one, of course. Um, right. But, uh, and we were shooting that first one in the middle, which was just raging at that point. It was uh, June of 2020. And uh, um, our awesome producer, uh, Ali Afshar, who also happens to play Leo in these movies, uh, for those who have seen it, um, and he's really funny in the movies, but he's also our, you know, our uh, head honcho. He's our executive producer. Um, and he just, you know, had this idea. like, look, no, there's, there's probably going to be very few holiday movies getting made this year because it's so difficult to make anything. It's like if we write a very simple, sweet story that takes place in essentially one location and, and has very little cast and we cast a husband and wife in the lead, you know, maybe we can get this all going. And right. uh, it was really his idea. That's, that's how it was. It was born. And and at that point, Netflix wasn't involved. It was just an idea. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then he got together with Lauren, and they started hashing out an idea. At which point, they called me and said, "Hey, would you be interested?" And I had directed Josh and Lauren in, in a movie called Roped. And of course, I'd worked with Ali several times. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, that, this would be a lot of fun." Uh, of course just be so lucky to, to even have a job in, in 2020. So uh, I signed on without, you know, there's just, just the concept really at that point. Right. And, um, and then Lauren wrote a wonderful script, which totally subverted my expectations because yes, it, you know, it's a holiday Christmas rom-com. It's, you know, earlier Hallmark, was, was, was interesting. What? Well, what I was saying oh, no, was ahead, interesting about what I was saying was interesting about a lot of these films. You know, they do follow a formula. There is a mathematical yeah. formula to these films, but totally. You know, anybody would have that critique. You know, like I was saying earlier. You know, in our private conversation, if you if you go into an Italian restaurant and you get minestrone soup, there is a certain way to make minestrone soup, and if you don't right. think that you can make soup wrong, <laughs> then you haven't eaten. <laughs> So even though the, the the movie does follow, both films really do follow a certain formula, it does it well. It does it very well. It oh, tracks thank well. You. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, that's obviously, uh, that's what we're striving to do. And, and uh, like I was saying uh, before, is you just wish that it finds its audience. Like that's the greatest hope is that, you know, it finds its its audience, people that will enjoy it and, uh, and, and, you know, make them laugh, make them cry in some cases, you know, that you're, you're just trying to affect people in some way. And my biggest goal is, is that is to try and help people escape for an hour and a half, you know, uh, especially right. during these last couple of years, that has been such a, um, 
you know, such a kind of monumental cl- task. A, yeah, a cluster. Yeah, so so my goal is, you know, I know the goal of our our entire team, which you know, amazing cast, awesome crew, uh, is is to hopefully make something that can can put a smile on your face, um, and uh, and uh, you know, hopefully that's what we accomplished. And you know, we, much to all of our surprise, the first movie was was uh, a success. Um, you know, went went number one in the world. After like one or two days being released, too, that's, I think it took us totally by surprise. We're like, you know, you know, hopefully we'll get on a you know popular list on Netflix or something. You know, that's all, that's what we were thinking, and uh, and it did. It trended fairly quickly. I think the first. Well, this isn't your first film on somebody. Netflix. I mean, you have several others. You have you know Lady Driver, and then you have Roped, and then you know you go on from there. This is your this is your fifth film, right, on Netflix. Yes, yes. The newest one, uh, City Lights, uh, California Christmas City Lights, is my fifth film, uh, second Netflix original, and uh, and uh, I, I can say that we got uh, another one, uh, not a, not California Christmas, but another movie coming out on Netflix in the summer, uh, another right. Netflix original, which I'm, I'm very excited about. Um, I, I'm not I, I'm not at liberty to say the name yet, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I can tell you, you that I'll there. tell you that off the air. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Well, you know, the film you did before California Christmas was uh, uh, Wheels of Fortune. Is that is that the name of the movie? Oh yeah, yeah, Wheels of Fortune, which is uh, my my first full blown comedy, and it's uh, uh, it's rated R, so it is got yeah. adult language and stuff like that in there. Um, now, but that, that was so much was fun funny. for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Was, you know, it reminded me a lot. We, of like, we laughed the whole Caddyshack. time making it. Oh yeah, yeah. Very much in that world, you know. I, I miss those kinds of comedies. I miss, you know, what I really miss is is uh, is you know the the uh, spaceballs and the, and the you know those those the, all those wonderful uh, films. Uh, just the totally silly, totally zany, totally off the cuff, and and uh, you know I cherish those movies from when I was a kid. Um, right. Many of them you couldn't make today. Like, try, imagine trying to make a Blazing Saddles today, or oh my <laughs> gosh, like you definitely couldn't make those today. Well, um, you know, but, I, don't, I don't know if the, yeah. I don't know if you know the story, but um, John Wayne was actually asked to be in Blazing Saddles, and oh, he was um, supposed to be the star. Yeah, yeah. When when Mel Brooks brought him the script, uh, John Wayne said, "Listen, uh, I've got this problem that if I say these words." I'm taking so seriously <laughs> as an actor, people are going to believe, right. me. <laughs> you know, and it's going to come across it's like, you know, and Mel Brooks kind of like had a, like one of those moments like, oh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, yeah, I think this yeah. isn't going to, I don't think it's going to come across the way I think it is. Yeah. And I think there was also somebody else cast after him who then like ditched out at the last moment. And that's the only reason why Gene Wilder literally came like, three days before they started shooting. Didn't know the script, wow. you know, just, uh, I'm trying to remember where I read this whole thing on, on that, like how Gene Wilder ended up in Blazing Saddles because he definitely wasn't supposed to be in Blazing Saddles. Oh, he was um, brilliant. Which is, you can't imagine it any other no, way. <laughs> no. It reminds me a lot of Viggo Mortensen in uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, they brought him in last second and you can't imagine Lord of the Rings without him in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, Vigo is one of my all-time favorite actors. I mean, honestly, 
he's super high on my bucket list. I, I, it's a dr- it would be a dream to work with him because I just really enjoy the way he approaches things. It's not, uh, it's not traditional. He's not a traditional movie star. He's uh, no. a Renaissance man, and, and he takes yeah. a lot of time and care in everything that he does, and I just I really appreciate uh, his process. So it'd be a, uh, I'm definitely put, putting that up on the old vision board, work with Vigo someday. I, w- I would love to see the movie you work on with him because <laughs> it would be one of those things that if it's like a, a fishing movie, you'd have to get him out of like the river during his like lunch break yeah. to stop fishing. Like, yeah. Vigo, yeah. Vigo, we got a movie to make. Stop fishing already. Because <laughs> that's what he was doing during Lord of the Rings. You know, he was constantly fishing it. and, you know, wood carving and, and having a good time. So that's one of your, your bucket list actors that you want to work with, huh? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That, well, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things came true, you know, like when you look at a lot of the films like roped and, 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 you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, California Christmas and what have you, you have worked with some fantastic actors. Now, let's, let's start with the first film, a California Christmas, cause before we go on to the sequel and talk about that some more, uh, what was, what was the, the gist of that film? What was like the premise of that movie? Well, that movie is, is it's the, the big city, uh, uh, you know, playboy, uh, uh, you know, young man who is, is very wealthy. He's, he's got the silver spoon, uh, you know, in his mouth uh, type of thing. He's uh, just kind of floating through life and uh, not, not taking anything serious. And uh, his mother who runs the company wants um, a piece of property out in uh, – the Sonoma Petaluma uh, uh, area above San Francisco, and they, they need it for to expand some of their uh, business ventures, and and so they bought up property around that area, but they can't get this right. one person to sell. So right. it's a young woman uh, who owns the ranch named Callie, and so uh, Joseph is the character. His mom uh, sends him, you know, to try and use his charms to get her to sell the the ranch, which of course. You know, one thing leads to another. He ends up showing up not in a three-piece suit. He ends up in raggedy clothes and and uh, like like you know gym shorts and a or I mean their pants, a jeans right. and, a, and a and a t-shirt and and uh, so uh, Hannah and Callie uh, both mistake him for a ranch hand and so he kind of you know be in his thrust right into delivering a baby calf. I mean that's his first you know minute on the ranch. <laughs> she's delivering a baby calf and. And uh, he kind of sees an opportunity to pose as this ranch hand to get to know her better and then maybe help convince her to sell the property. Of course, terrible plan, uh, but uh, right. <laughs> terrible idea. Right. But, of course, it leads to some, some comedy, and it also leads to uh, romance as well. Well, uh, I think, and, bo- and, I think uh, both you yeah. and I know that, you know, the best way to get to a woman's heart is to lie to her. That always that always gets you both closer so fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, needless to say, it barely works out because uh, she's pretty mad at him when she finds out all of that stuff. But uh, but love finds a way, Um, and um, so yeah, and we and we had a lot of fun with it. Like uh, I was explaining earlier, I don't know when we got cut off on that first uh, uh, broadcast, but. you know, uh, Lauren Swickard, who wrote the script and also stars as Callie, 
she wrote this wonderful right. script that subverted all my expectations. It had characters that I didn't ever expect to be in there, uh, you know, like Manny and Leo. They were very different than any Hallmark characters that I had seen, and they just uh, had this beautiful friendship that developed in it, and I just thought that was really cool. Um, I thought a lot of the comedic moments with Joseph trying to make it on a ranch was a lot of fun, and, and of course, uh, Josh Wickard just played those so perfectly. Uh, that, uh, you know, it was just one of those things. Everybody kind of came together. I was able right. to get uh, uh, one of my favorites, Amanda Detmer, on to, the, uh, to play Callie's mother, uh, Wendy, and uh, that, was a, that was a full circle moment for me. We had, we had actually worked a little bit together on Lady Driver, so I guess that was really the first full circle because we're both from Chico, California, which is right. also in Northern California, a small, small little town. And uh, when I was in high school... Uh, you know, this young woman named Amanda who went to my same high school. Uh, I didn't know her well. My family knew her, though, because she actually wasn't at one of my father's plays, and her brother had also acted in some of my dad's stuff. So I knew of her through that, but she was a couple years older than me, so I didn't know her incredibly Wait, hold on, well. Hold on a second. She, she, was, in your fa- she was in your father's because I, I know your father's, you know, yeah, is, yeah. is having this community. So she, she worked with your father in the community. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And that's, same with her brother. A, yeah, that's a real connection. Yeah, so so when when uh, I got the opportunity, I put her name up um, uh, because I knew that she had moved back up to Northern California, and so I put her name out there for this lady driver role. This is not a big role, but I said, hey, you know, if she's, you know, uh, her schedule allows it, maybe she'll come and just play for a couple of days with us and have fun, and that would be really cool to to get to connect with her because we're both from Chico. And, and uh, you know, when I was in high school, I saw this gal go down to Hollywood, and she made it. She Final Destination came out, and it was a huge hit. And I was like, wow, somebody from Chico, this small college town, made it in Hollywood. This is bananas. And that really right. is what sparked me and inspired me to go for it. It was just that, that uh, scene that is possible um, is what – really pushed me to, to move. And I, and I had a really good friend, Josh Taylor, uh, who is an amazing uh, musician and singer, and, but he was also an amazing like uh, improv artist, comedian, and all of that. So we right. had both uh, talked a lot about trying to you know, move out of the small town and, and, and uh, go make it in Hollywood. But, um, but that coupled with Amanda uh, uh, having success really is what pushed me. And so Getting to work with her on Lady Driver was great, albeit way too short, and so I was right. then constantly looking for another project that I could try and bring her in, into. And so when California for Christmas came up, um, it's you know you wouldn't think of Amanda necessarily for that role right away, and right. Uh, but I just knew she would bring a, a level to it that was just you know really amazing. And so I talked to her about it. I'm like, gosh, you know this is. You know, it's not like a flattering role. You've got to look really sick and like, <laughs> you know, like you're dying. You know, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, it was hard, very heavy. It was really it was really a heartbreaking uh, role. Yeah. So, and, and of course, I always put it out there. You know, no hard feelings, no pressure. Like, you know, if you if you want to do it, uh, I would be thrilled. But I totally understand. <laughs> it's not the most, you know, flattering uh, uh, role to do. And but Amanda was just. Uh, you know, gun ho right from the get go, and it's like, let's do this. This is going to be fun. And then, of course, we all loved working with her so much that we're like, oh, we've got to bring her back in the sequel. 
how do we do that? Because unfortunately, at the end of the first one, she is, has passed on from uh, in battling cancer. And uh, But we're just like, we have to have her in here, at least for a couple scenes. And so we kind of have this nice montage in the beginning of the movie uh, that is reflecting on on the past, so we get some nice moments with her crushing grapes in their in their vineyards with the family and laughing and smiling and you know just having. I wanted her to look really good in those moments and not look you know too sickly and any like you know it's just, it's the the young daughter Hannah is is uh, you know reminiscing about these good times and right. so that was that way and then we brought her back in in a in a flashback scene in a really integral moment in the movie which it's very important for Callie to you know uh heed kind of some of these words of advice that her mother had given her years ago and actually about her first engagement because she was engaged before Joseph and uh, he right. tragically uh, dies in a car accident her her um, her first um uh, fiance. So, right. um, but those words now resonate true to her current situation. So it was a nice way. I thought really nice that, that Lauren, uh, weaved into the story and it, uh, gave us the opportunity to, to have Amanda back on the set, which was, which was really awesome. Well, the two stars of the film, you know, right after rope, they, they fell in love and, uh, and got married. Right. Yeah, that's always a fun, you know, a lot of people uh, love that uh, kind of fairy tale story. Uh, so so I've now done three films with Josh and Lauren. And on the first film, it was Roped. And right. Ali Afshar and, and Christina Moore uh, was producing, uh, Ava Redke were all producing and, and putting this movie together and uh, called Roped. And, uh, you know, ca- you know the, the casting call is out there and we're – interviewing and doing chemistry and all this kind of stuff. And of course, when the two of them uh, met each other, I I was actually alone with them when they first both showed up and and met in person for the first time. And I could see chemistry like right away. I believe I remember talking to Christine and Allie and and I was like, they've got good chemistry, you know, and that was just based on their, their conversation. And, and, uh, and then we did a actual chemistry read together where they did several scenes together and uh, we all knew right then. We're like, oh yeah, this is this is the pair. And um, little did we know that that would actually lead to a, a real romance. And uh, and their first kiss was on camera in that movie of Roped. And and really? uh, um, yeah, yeah, that was their first kiss. And and then so, after the Sean, movie, they started dating. So are, are you are are you trying to say that the best way for me to find a wife? Is for us to do a chemistry <laughs> test for like yeah. for what are your next? <laughs> yeah, that might be it. That might be the magic lesson. I think there's a movie in that. We should write the movie about the chemistry test at the you know what it would be called. You know what it would be called. called you know? It'd be called the casting couch. You know, oh, there's gosh, nothing good. The there's nothing good test. that would come out of that film. I'm telling you that much. People would be like, this is the worst film. Who brought up this, this premise? I'd be like, I, I did, I did. I'm just looking. Around. <laughs> it sounds horrible, but no, I mean, it, it's incredible because that's that's exactly it. Like, uh, like Tom, you know, found his girl through Spider Man. Even though uh, the Sony exec, you know, warned all three Spider. I don't know if you know this, but all three Spider Men to not date their co-stars. Like over none of them like, listened. That's exactly what she said. She said nothing. Nobody listens yeah. to me. It's like, well, why should I listen to you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they were they're excellent relationships, but this one led to a marriage, and 
really, I mean, they're really, they're really a beautiful couple. I mean, they're really a sincerely oh, beautiful yeah. couple. They, they, they really love each other. That's a really, that's really an amazing effect of a fam, really a family working together. It's not really a family that's forever. You know, movies just keep on, you know, movie, movies and directors and producers and writers, they just move on with their careers, move on with their lives, and hopefully we keep in touch. But it's nice when you have a lasting effect in people's lives. Yeah, I, it's it's really kind of a, this strange thing, and, and we all feel like family. You know, we talk about this all the time. It really, it does because we were you know, unwittingly, un- unknowingly, uh, a part of of how their relationship started. So there's always going to be this this bond. Plus, we just all got along so well making the film and the in the process of that. That's why when they called and said, "Hey, would you want to direct another movie with Josh and Lauren?" I it wasn't even a question. I'm like, of course, yeah. Where, when and where? Should, tell me where to. And I I remember Ali going, "You'll just direct anything, won't you?" I go, "Well, if I'll direct anything if it's involving you and Josh and Lauren, yeah, it's a no brainer." You know, um, of course I won't direct anything, but that was Ali just to, you know razzing me. But uh, he's like, I didn't even tell you the premise. <laughs> no, I, like, I, I think it, it I think a director like Paul, it's the people, you know, right? Well, I think like a, a person like Paul Thomas Anderson, not not P.T. Anderson, but Paul Thomas Anderson is right. one of those directors that will film anything. Right. You know, all the, like Resident Evil one through twenty. <laughs> like some of the worst, you know, and, and hey, listen, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, I, I doubt you're listening, my big guy. But listen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot of your movies are really kind of throwaway films. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, that's I think that's why, you know, P.T. Anderson right now has changed now. I don't know if you've seen Licorice Pizza, by the way. It's an amazing film. Oh, I want to see it. It, it oh, looks it's, amazing. It, it, you know, if you've ever seen Punch Drunk Love with Adam Sandler, it's it's. One of my it's favorites. Really, One of my favorites. It's, it's such a wonderful film on on the complexity of love. And when you look at Licorice Pizza, it's very much the complexity of love. And a lot of people's complaints were, well, complaints were, you know, the age gap between the girl and the boy and what have you. And we're talking about 1973, which, you know, quite honestly, isn't, it's 48 years ago. It's not really that long time ago, but, you know, it, it's not like that. It's not a film. It's not like Navikov's Lolita. It's not like that. It's 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 right. more of you know when you look at the other characters made. You know these guys are brilliant, wonderful, uh, beautiful. Like Bradley Cooper is in the film, and he's beautiful mm-hmm. and yeah. he's wonderful and he's a great personality. But in this film, he's a trash bag. <laughs> he's a trash right. bag of mess. So when you see the film, I want to see another it, it film almost, that's out right now too. What's that film? Uh, the Guillermo del Toro. Oh, that's going to be it. that's a great film. Guillermo del Toro is an amazing Midnight. director. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Our our friend Doug Jones is like is every single film, film that he's ever done. Oh, I know, I know, so good. Doug Jones is I awesome. Know. Doug Jones is amazing. He he just can. You know, a lot of people don't know that he was in, uh, you know, like every single one of Guillermo del Toro's films. If you, yeah, you know, not in Lovely Bones, which is one of his first, you know, really big hits, but you know, Hellboy and uh, and Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, he played Pan. He had to learn. He had to learn Spanish uh, for that film. Oh, so it's amazing. It's just an amazing film. But um, you know, how, you know, Shape of Water. Were, he's 
brilliant too. Shape of Water. I mean, they won an Oscar. I mean, I I texted him immediately and I was like, you know, congratulations. I I always told him he was going to win an Oscar. He's like, oh no, I'm not going to win. Yeah. I'm like, you're you're going to win an Oscar. Um, <laughs> but w- w- when you think about the fact that you worked so hard uh, from your youth, being you know working on commercials and and Chico, where Sublime came from, by the way. And like you're the you're the the city hero and what have you, and now you're t- technically speaking, you know you're you're part of the DGA and, and you're part of this whole group of directors like Scorsese and Coppola. I mean you can't you can't subtract yourself from the names of people that direct and make films. You can't do it's impossible to do that. <laughs> how, how does it, how does it, you know what I mean? So how does it feel to be part of? this group of human beings that affect people's lives. Cause you know that there's gotta be at least, you know, when you look, when we look at the numbers of a Christ, like a, a California Christmas, there's, there's millions of people watching that film. So yeah, it's, there's a, uh, I think yeah. I, it's one of those things is really uh, just surreal. You know, it's still uh, even, even a year after that first one, it doesn't feel like, you know, it's very easy to just go. Oh yeah, it was what whatever. But seeing that seeing the numbers this year, because now Netflix releases watched hour numbers, uh, and that just means you know for every hour that your movie is watched, they track it. Um, and uh, you know, as of the second week out, uh, I don't know if we'll get any of the the current numbers, but as as of you know the second week that it was released, the new movie had had 34 million watched hours. Um, and an interesting thing to think about that is, you know, the average household that watches any given movie is, is above two. It's hard to, to know the actual metrics. But right. even if you want to break that down, that we have an hour and 40-minute movie, so you divide that by your watched hours, you know, that takes it down to, to well, whatever that takes it down to. Let's, let's 15 million, honest, then you time of... that by 2.4 whatever. Yeah. I, anyway, I don't think anybody's going to sit there the with themselves and watch a California Christmas. I, I think they're definitely going to watch it with somebody else. And it's one of those things that, yeah, it's one of those things that you just go tens of millions of people have watched anything that we've, that we've worked on is just, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't compute. It's like, uh, you know, and, and we see the evidence in, in the, the messages and emails we get from India and, you know, Australia and uh, Russia. We have fans of the movie in Russia and, it just, you know, kind of like your program. You're seeing people from all over the world. It's so interesting that we can connect on that level uh, right. to, to just about any place in the world. It's really um, – It's very odd. It's really – you know, Yeah. People from like – you know, I, I've got people listening – right now from Chile and Turkey and Russia. And, you know, there, there is kind of like a, I don't know, a, like a naive tone going like, how, how do you even understand what I'm saying? Not to think that they don't even speak yeah. English or understand English. It's kind of like, right. it's very naive to think that. Uh, but it's, it's really wonderful to conceptualize the fact that you are affecting people's lives um, to a certain extent. So how long is it going to take for you to be wearing a scarf? Or an admiral's outfit. <laughs> I've, already to, worn, to I've already worn scarf. I've already I've worn seen the your cliche scarf. Uh, director. I've, 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 I've already scarf. worn. <laughs> That's what Sam Raimi did. I've already worn him. I, I've already done him. <laughs> That's what Danny Elfman said. Danny Elfman said, like when he saw, uh, when he saw Sam Raimi wearing an admiral's outfit in Spider-Man Three, he said, like, 
I think we're done with our. I think we're done with our with our relationship. Uh, he's back directing. What is he directing? Sam Raimi. He's um, he's, he's doing a uh, Doctor Strange um, Doctor multiverse Strange, of madness. That's right. Yeah. That's right. right? The next one. The next one. Yeah, and out. it, it wow. directly correlates to the Spider Man. Hey, spoiler alerts. Yeah. It directly correlates to the Spider Man beforehand with Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Crazy. It's yeah. wild. Man, I loved yeah. the new Spider Man movie. What did, What did you think? <laughs> you know what? Um, when you When you think about fan service and when you think about how things work out and things come in full circle, uh, this film has everything you ever wanted. And if if you didn't think was the best Spider-Man, then this film will definitely concrete that. And if, if you yeah. didn't believe that Andrew Garfield was a heavy hitter as a superhero, now, as an actor, of course, he's brilliant. Yeah. Like Spider-Man. Uh, he has such an amazing arc in this film that, like, really breaks your heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, uh, I don't want to do spoilers, but there's that one moment that I, even seeing that moment in the trailer, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There was a part of me, and I actually said this to my kids. I went, man, it'd be so cool if, if, because we didn't know at that point, if, right. I mean, most, a lot of people knew, but if Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is in this movie, if he's the one that helps out in that moment. That would be so cool. Right. And, uh, and, uh, and it did happen. And I was like, Oh my gosh, see, I told you. And they're like, sure, dad, sure. <laughs> you knew. <laughs> I know. And you know, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't a big shocker. Like a lot of us kind of knew, but when it happened, it was like, Oh my gosh, it's really happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know <laughs> I'm going to bring it to like uh, a coming to Jesus moment where it's like, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And you go to heaven like, Oh my God, you're real. <laughs> It's like you've been praying to this dude for like for like a hundred years. <laughs> like, what's the surprise here? <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was it was really a, a wonderful film. I really much enjoyed that. And uh, you and I are, are are huge fans of of Marvel and Disney. And in, in, I mean, I, I know you definitely want to work on Mandalorian, if not Boba, like a, a season two of Boba Fett, because Boba Fett season one is already done. Yeah, you know, and I'd love to work is, on anything Star Wars. In Star Wars, yeah. uh, that is a huge, huge dream. To work yeah. on any of these series uh, would be just fantastic. And the ultimate goal is to one day do a film, you know, or series yeah. of films would be would be the ultimate, ultimate goal. But um, not underselling the TV side of it because they're making basically just films now. Uh, you know, you get a little bit of that um, – uh, you're like, oh, there's only six episodes. Like, come on! But I when know. the production value is where it is, and 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 the work that it takes to make those, you you realize, oh, that's basically they just made three films and released it on Disney Plus. Right. <laughs> you just got well, three I, films, three three features uh, that are broken up into six episodes. You know. Right. Well, I think John Favreau. I mean, they have not announced what what three films he's going to be making, but I'm pretty sure sure it's going to be The Old Republic. I mean that's that's my yeah favorite. probably is he easy in the yeah, old I, I would think you're right yeah and, and what I would like to see from you from the Star Wars universe is like a young Jedi somewhere in somewhere in the middle maybe after Empire uh, maybe maybe even yeah. after the, the new trilogy I would like this I would like to see a trilogy of of films that of a 
brand new young Jedi come up to her, along uh, along the lines of Asuka and, and her oh, yeah, yeah. plight in that world. That that's what I would like to see from you. Um, but you know, you interesting never know. is you, that. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's so interesting is that that character, if you remember, uh, started off. <clears throat> they did like an animated movie before the series funny, came yeah. out, and. And but people didn't like her, and then once yeah. the series started, all of a sudden she became a fan favorite. But I remember there being well, a lot of flack about Ashoka Tano um, yeah. when that when that first animated movie came out. Well, people hated her. Too whiny guys. and all those things. Yeah, <laughs> people hate her. I mean, she's, but she's too one of my whiny. <laughs> but Luke Skywalker's yeah. not whiny. She's too whiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, it was it, funny. But uh, we, you know, she's one of my favorites. I like her fighting oh, style, too. Oh, when you, when you look at, you know, uh, uh, you know, Diane and Santo doing that episode. I mean, we had her on oh, the show before. Oh, that was before, so cool. That was, that was so cool that she was on there. Oh, it blew my mind. And when she came on the show, she was not able to talk about her next product or project. And it was that film. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's so cool. <laughs> Please come back and so talk about cool. that. Oh yeah, and, and I'm so and, glad. Uh, I'm so glad Dave Filoni was the one helming that that episode. Those well, episodes that was his too, because, that was his creation. So to like yeah, to come full yeah. circle and be like, hey, listen, you may have hated her before, but you know, I'm I'm going to show you how, you know how pivotal of a character she really is. And they played her music think as it, as think it, she was leaving. That. What? Yeah, oh yeah, and I think Rosario did a great job too, and obviously. Oh. I think having having uh, um, Dave there for every step of it is what really helps. Well, Rosario Dawson that, is know. an excellent actress, but you know having David Filoni with her and uh, and really explaining what the character means to people and and what it means to the future of the Star Wars uh, process. I mean, it, it gave her her own show that's coming up, and if you don't think like yeah. it's going to take over all of like film. You got another thing coming, yeah. Because the Mandalorian is like yeah. everything, you know. Everybody yeah. has a baby Yoda yeah. pillow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got um, uh, my kids got a baby Yoda like mugs and all that, all sorts of stuff for Christmas, you know. <laughs> well, you know what's um, very interesting. What's very interesting about you know our trek through through the film industry is, you know, you you, you started off with some some basic stuff on. on you know, um, YouTube, you know, and then you went on to producing some stuff yourself. And then you went on to make your first film on Netflix. Well, you were acting in some films as well, like, uh, you know, Strange Case, right? The Lackey, you did a lot of those films. But it, it was really that next step in the Netflix that, that really, like, catapulted you to the top. You know, what, 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 you know, I, I think that's an inter- I think it is an interesting question to ask. You know, how did it feel like, literally, to go from ground zero to the stratosphere? And that's really the stratosphere. I think uh, it's one of those things when you're, you know, you're working on this stuff. At least for myself, you're just kind of. I, I'm. I'm definitely. Well, you know this from from martial arts too. Uh, uh, that I I definitely put my head down and I just do the work. So uh, I, I was 100% blessed and lucky enough to work with the wonderful teams, the team at ESX, Dali Afshar, 
and Christina Moore and Ava Redke and that, that whole team, um, and Daniel Aspermonte. Uh, so working with them, uh, they didn't uh, hate me, so they keep giving me more uh, work. And so, right. you know, kind of that, how the whole thing even just came onto Netflix in the first place is we didn't know where those films were going to land, and some of them I had worked on years prior. I mean, it was years and years before they made it to, to Netflix. So right. it's one of those things everybody goes, oh, man, you got you know, you know five movies on Netflix already. It's like, yeah, well, it took like four years before even one of them got on there or three years or right. something like that. So it's like right. – it's, none of this stuff happens overnight, and and a lot of it is is luck. A lot of it is personal. Well, you're not you're, a lot of you're, you're not an overnight and, success. I mean, you even made Dugan's Heroes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've never I've never yeah. seen that that release yet. You know what I mean? So you're not I an know, overnight success. Has, just, yeah, you're yeah. you're a consistent. No, every overnight you're a consistent success order. at least a decade decade <laughs> decade or two in the making. I'm like two decades right. into the making. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it's um, it is a uh, it is an interesting thing. Uh, speaking of that project with with James Doolittle, uh, starring Casper Van Dien, um, that film really opened a lot of doors. That pro- that project, I should say, because it was actually a TV show. Hmm. Even though it didn't release, it was a big like proving ground. Uh, you know, it was material that I could show. Like, look, here's what I've directed on this scale. Uh, I've worked on big projects. I've been part of huge productions, even $150 million video games. You know, I've, I've been a part of them, but I didn't helm them, of course. So right. uh, I think that Doolittle one was really, uh, 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 you know, I owe a lot to that production. Noel uh, Vega, who was the producer on that and believed in me uh, and pitched me to the other producers. And Noel Vega, you know, that really, was, he's really great. Yes, an awesome guy. We, we've we've probably done fifty projects together. That's not even a joke. I mean, we really. Yeah. He's he's again. Well, you did uh, you did mocap together. You did a lot of things together, and yeah. he has a vast yeah, history going back to Sammo Hung to Jackie Chan to yeah. Loon Biao. Yeah. I mean, he's got a. Yeah, I've had him on his the show first before. Stunt ever. <laughs> his first stunt ever was jumping off a building. <laughs> I'm like, that's your first stunt? Like, you didn't even, like, just take a, pu- a hit from the punch? Nope. First one was jumping off a building. I've got to be honest with you. It couldn't have happened to a better person. It's <laughs> 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 too funny. Yeah, he is a bit of a smart ass. So, like, <laughs> to see him fly oh, yeah. off a wall, yeah. like, like, oh, it's like, yeah, yeah I, I'm enjoying He's this. He's a total smart ass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is. He, he, he's, a, he's a grippy kind of guy. But, I, you know, I love him because, you know, like, you know, thinking about the history that he came from, I mean, it, it's a really touch and go kind of industry. And it's a really touch and go kind of yeah, world. Yeah. Like, Sam Hung, like, lived in his apartment. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you know that, that's true. Yeah, martial art was a great show, by the way, and that's really tricky. So you know, you, you so you obviously have made friends with the right people. That's um, that's all, that's this business is connecting with your your film family. You know, it's of course you've got to have obviously some kind of talent. You've got to have that drive, determination, all of these things. Uh, and and I say all the time, the people that make it in this business are the ones who stick it out. I mean, it's really there's tons of talented people that come and go within a couple of years because it's just a brutal industry. It's, it is feast or famine. Um, and uh, I had those moments too, where I, you know, before I started doing the, the stuff on YouTube with you, you know, we did six feet down under and all that stuff. I was mm-hmm. kind of at that breaking point, you know, we had done the lackey and, uh, which I was very proud of, you know, and, right. uh, and we but won a bunch of awards. 
but nothing was happening uh, at that moment. And, and of course, you know, all of that stuff does help. Work begets work. But it was one of those things where I was just feeling, uh, you know, like I've, I've spent a decade in this in this industry and tried really hard, and it's just kind of, you know, not I'm not where I wanted to be at that moment, you know. Right. And uh, uh, but honestly, just even going, okay, I took a break. You know, we talked about taking. You talked about taking breaks earlier. I took a break right. for a while, and uh, and just kind of did some did some more standard work, more nine to five type work, and uh, right. got some money in the bank, which was good. And then that allowed me to take a breath and go, hey, why don't we do something on YouTube and just for fun, just to get the creative juices flowing. Which that's kind of what you know was the kick in the pants to to continue on. But uh, you know what? it is, I, I, it is I, a really I, tough I, business. I do want to correct you on something because you keep on using the word luck and talent where it's really <laughs> you're blessed and you're skilled <laughs> because you didn't yeah, need to yeah, go to yeah. your wife because you're lucky. L- meeting a lucky, meeting a pretty girl at a party is lucky. Me- meeting your future wife at like y- your jewelry shop is blessed. Having the family yeah, that you have much. is blessed. Having the career you have is blessed. And there's no way in the world you would make these connections with the people, you know, I saw I saw those interviews with the actors that worked with you. They they adore you. They they love working with you. They would absolutely want to spend another eighteen hours a day with you. That is skill. That that's not that's that's not talent. That's skill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> now, that you're, now that you're stunned by a compliment, which we often are, you know, let's let's, talk, let's go on to the second film. So, so you did you did a you did a, a California Christmas, which which was a huge success, and I saw it at you know twelve o'clock midnight the night before. Like I watch all of your films. It's funny because we text each other. It's funny, and I'm glad to know that you were awake this time. Um, you yeah, know, but for the sequel, you were awake as well, and and uh, that was that was a that was a really nice film. Uh, tell me about that process because, you know, what I really wanted, and I, I think I texted you several times, that I really wanted the younger daughter to have a bigger role because for me, yeah, she kind of yeah. disappeared somewhere around the, uh, the farmhouse time at the end of the last half an hour. Like she just kind of disappeared. Right. And I'm like, I, w- I want to see more of this character kind of develop because this, like you can literally make a third film about this character. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, all of that stuff. We wanted more time with Manny and Leo. We wanted more time with Hannah. And, you know, of course, we wanted to try and figure out a way to, to get Amanda back playing Wendy. Right. So it was, it was a lot of challenge, and, and all the credit to Lauren for, you know, weaving this story together and being able to bring you – know, I think a, a sequel is tough, and there's a lot of pressure, especially, you know, with with having something that is successful uh, – you then, you know, of course, you're second guess yourself. You, you know, there's all sorts of things, and you know, we we're making these movies on very tight schedules, and so we were very limited. Uh, we we were very lucky that Ali Afshar and, and Daniel Aspermonte were able to get us some really cool, um, you know, like sets, <laughs> like the the Fairmont right. in 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 San, San Francisco. That was an amazing place to film. Uh, so securing that was such a huge like windfall for us. 
production value anywhere you point a camera it's it's a you know looks like a million bucks and so we were just and Brad rushing uh, our awesome director of photography from the first one returned as well and you know uh, which by the way we first worked together on uh, Doolittle so there's that no your that your DP well. is fantastic you know he he does really yeah. really great work yeah yeah no he I've been I'm really really lucky in the ESX both Ruben Steinberg and exclusively the only two DPs I've worked with on on now seven or eight films that I've done with them, nice. maybe eight films. Nice. Uh, it's been just those two DPs, and they're both just wonderful. I mean, yeah. you know, it just – I got incredibly, incredibly uh, blessed to, to to get to work with them. You know, I, I, like American Fighter I know you've seen. I just think that look yeah. is so cool. That's Ruben. Uh, did that one and same with same with wheels of fortune and then you've got the you've got the california christmas with that kind of uh oh you, know, you gotta, warm, go, back to, you gotta go back to wheels of fortune that that movie was so funny man you wait, wait. The, <laughs> the fact that the, the one you know the, the 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 married couple she kept on saying the f word continually and that that could become tiresome yeah. but that was the yeah. funniest thing i've ever seen like in a really long time i'll be honest with you about yeah, texting you, like, yeah. this is hilarious <laughs> and and by the way uh so that's that's christina moore who has produced on a lot of my films and she's also an, an amazing actress yeah and her husband which is john ducey and he plays mm-hmm. uh that character in in uh in Wheels of Fortune, he also wrote Wheels of Fortune. So you know, well, for those that, for those in the audience that don't, don't, know, don't know, Christina Moore was actually in that '70s show. She played the sister yeah. that, that took over for the first sister. She is absolutely one hundred percent a gem. By the way, go back and watch our episode together when we talked. Um, she is hilarious. Yeah, it's really funny. The two of them. I mean, if you just you know sit around a, a, a campfire and just hang with them, they're going to make you laugh like you wouldn't believe. Uh, and uh, so having them, and then you bring in Matt Jones, Noreen DeWolf, Maddie Carteropple, and you get the five of them uh, together, it's like, it's you can't, it's almost impossible not to laugh. And, and the supporting characters, from Jeff Fahey to, to uh, uh, I mean, just literally everybody was so hysterical on that dang movie. That, right. Uh, we were we were ruining cakes. I mean, Ruben <laughs> Steinberg, the the DP, the camera would be shaking because he's laughing so hard. Uh, which is which is not unlike when we film with Manny on California Christmas, especially part two. We we kind of amped up. You know, we let David Del Rio loose a little bit right. in this in this se- sequel. And right. uh, you know, you've got the car washing scene uh, and and, and the that video game stuff scene. in there that. The video game scenes. We were dying. We couldn't stop laughing in those that scenes. That was well. And Brad Rustin, uh, <laughs> he he also he wasn't holding the camera during that car wash scene. He was he was in Video Village with me, but he fell out of his chair. Literally fell out of his chair, uh, laughing so hard. And I've actually never. I, I've done a lot of work with Brad, and we hang out outside of the movie stuff. We play music together. Like he's 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 just a wonderful human being. Uh, and I and I've certainly heard him laugh, but not like that. That was like a fully different level of laughing uh, when we were filming David Del Rio's uh, car wash scene in in the new movie in the in City Life. Right. Right. Um, so, and that was, pro- you know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no no go ahead. 
So give give us a premise on, on City Lights. You know, we were talking about a California Christmas. We got a, a complete. Don't give us too much, of course, because I mean, there's still some people that want to watch this film. And, and by the way, for everybody who's listening, it, it really is an an excellent sequel. And by that by that it means it follows the same formula. It has the same tone. Um, it isn't cheesy. It's not cheese whiz. It, it it absolutely is a great spiritual sequel to the first one. So if you like the first one, I mean, you like the sequel. Uh, so tell us about tell us about the sequel and, and first of all, what made you want to do it? What was the writing process? Because of course you were involved somehow, and and how did it play out? Um, so. <laughs> Basically, the deciding to do it was was, was similar to the first uh, film. Uh, we had we had only been released for a couple of days, and we hit number one. And it was only a day or two after that it, when Ali Afshar called me up and said, "Hey, you want to direct the sequel? Uh, it's, it's looking like we're going to do a sequel." And I'm like, "Sure." And he goes, "Good," because they're announcing it today in the trades. <laughs> and sure enough, it did. Yeah, he knew I'd say yes, uh, basically, but. Um, but yeah, that was that was really funny, uh, and and I'm always kind of involved in the writing process, especially with Lauren. She's so wonderful to work with, and just a total collaborator. So I love that that uh, you know she involves me in the process and bounces ideas, and you know uh, I don't write any of it; it's all her. And Josh also helps in that way as well. He's there bouncing the ideas and and giving his input on things, and and uh, and she's just so wonderful. She you know takes all of that into consideration, incorporates what she can, and weaves it together. Same with Allie. He's given all his ideas, and uh, Allie's definitely an ideas man, so he comes up with a lot of the concepts. and He'll, he'll come up with the names before there's even a, a word written in the script. He'll be like, this is what the next three movies are called, you know. Um, right. So he kind of sees the big picture there. And then Lauren, <clears throat> you know, and I think there, again, what we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of pressure doing a sequel, so trying to figure out exactly what it would be and how we would make it work and you know, we knew the first movie is that fish out of water, and we wanted to continue that theme. I think even if we do a third movie, it will still play with that theme. And we have a great idea on, on how to make them both a fish out of water in, in uh, part three, um, But if we get the opportunity to do that. But, um, you know, this one, we, we there's always the idea to flip it on its head. So uh, the first movie, Joseph is the fish out of water on the farm. Uh, and we would then flip it for part two, which we would make Callie go to the big city, and right. uh, you know she's never been out of her hometown, and making her the fish out of water. So that's kind of right. our our kind of overarching, uh, you know, uh, kind of genre type thing. Um, so yeah, that's that was that was that. So and of are, course, his so are you thinking about are you thinking play, about the but, fish out of water plan for the for the both of them to be in Europe? Oh, I can't say. I can't say. <laughs> Too early for those details. <laughs> really? It's, it sounds like the, yeah. they'd be fish out of waters in Europe, you know, especially since selling, selling well, wine, you know, and they'd be selling wine in, like, France. <laughs> here's what I can say. Yeah. That would be amazing if that is, if that is in fact, the truth. Uh, it would be amazing to go film over there. I mean, that would be a dream. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier. 
So, uh, boy can dream, or we all just, uh, you know, we end up filming it in the States and, and we just, uh, you know, maybe Josh Lauren and, and myself will all hop on a plane over there and do some pickup shots. Well, I, 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 think, we, I think we all so want to dream like you because it seems to be coming true. So, you, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, you're, you're doing City Lights. You have a, a married couple with you. Um, they've been together for a while, and... You know, did, they welcomed a child into their life, did they not? They did, yeah, they did. Um, and yeah. um, and the brand new baby, right as we were shooting. So, um, right. you know, there was a, there was a, um, and 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 uh, baby Savannah was on set with us for the whole shoot. Um, uh, their parents came in to help watch the baby and. And while they're working and, and all of that, but you had new challenges like mom's got to go feed the baby. So, you know, right. we had to figure out those schedules. And when, when it's time, it's time. We can't, we can't go starve the baby, you know? <laughs> right. And she was so young. She wasn't, uh, I don't know if she was doing, no, she definitely wasn't doing formula, but she, she had, you know, pumped milk or whatever that they could give her. But, but still she had to go and feed and, and do, feed the uh, wonderful savvy as we like to call her. Um, so, uh, you know, but you do, that does, that does create a challenge in filmmaking and, uh, but you know, our team at this point, our team is very, uh, we've all worked together on so many projects. It's pretty well oiled machine. And we figure out, we figured out how to do the challenge of COVID testing and keeping people safe and limited amount of people on set, uh, swapping out actors with crew. So basically when, uh, you know, Hey, we need to change a light we take the, the cast out first before crew comes in, even though we're wearing masks and shields and do the whole thing, you know, but, but those are part of the protocols that allowed us to shoot in, in, uh, right. in these uncertain times. And, uh, well, that was going to be know, one of my questions yes, that, was, you know, how did the set take care of themselves during COVID? Because even Hugh Jackman recently has said that he, that he is COVID positive. And yeah, I got to be honest with you. Tricky, you know, it, yeah. If any, if anybody's going to be careful, it's going to be. Yeah, well, even Tom Cruise's, you know, the 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 Mission Impossible movie also had their. Why had I it loved happening. him. I loved him yelling at his crew. You know that. By the <laughs> yeah. way, you know his crew got two. They got COVID t- two times. Two times yeah, the crew yeah. got COVID, you know. So, you know, anybody who wants to talk smack about Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible series, I mean, that's – we're talking about millions of dollars. We're talking oh, about – every day is millions of dollars, yeah. Millions of dollars. I mean, in a movie like this, millions of dollars, um, people's careers, people's lives. There, there are so many elements in there. Um, if you want to judge him based on how angry he gets um, on a set – uh, when people are not taking COVID seriously, I mean, you're you're eager it's one of those idiot. Two people. Yeah. It's thousands of jobs on that scale thousands of a movie. Of it's literally thousands of jobs that that uh, that are on the line. So and pensions and and healthcare for people and you know all of these things are on the line. And so I totally understood where he was coming from and and. Uh, and 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 actually really agreed with him when he's saying, look, we're the we're the example, we're the leaders, we're the ones showing people that this is possible. Right. And if we right. if we screw that up, we're letting everybody down. It's not even just our production. It's not just you know, but I think there's a lot of 
a lot of things, like just pure scale for them, the amount of crew, the amount of cast, like that's where it becomes right. really, really tricky. Where a smaller film like ours, we have less risk be, just purely because of that. We, we, we have uh, – the second one, we had a little bit larger crew than, than Cali 1, but Cali 1, we stripped down the crew very, very minimal. But you, but you because, still have the same protocols. Yeah. Like you said before, you know, the then you replaced them with the crew. And then you brought the yeah. actors back yeah. in again. Yeah, yeah, that's what we have to do because it's, um, uh, it's you know, we don't want the the we don't want it to get shut down. So you really gotta. But because our crew is so good, we adapted to that really, quite frankly, very quickly, and uh, still made our days. You know, you would think, oh my gosh, this is, and you got to everybody's got to get tested when they come in. You know, you go do the nose swabs and do those things, and you think. Wow, how are we ever going to make our day? This is going to suck up hours. But but to be honest with you, it was like the first day was tough, second day a little bit better, and then by like day three, day four, we're just moving, we're just cranking, we're getting our making our right. days. Everybody's doing what they got to do. Adapting. We all know we we adapted, and this this crew, honestly, I can't speak highly enough of them from from production designer like uh, Michael Cooper to. Um, uh, Elizabeth Jett, our costume and, and hair and makeup with Jessica and, and Courtney, uh, you know, the whole team, art department, all of them are just grips, lighting. <clears throat> they're so uh, just, they're pros, you know. Uh, actually, our, our um, first AC on, on uh, the last two movies, last two Netflix originals that I've done, our, our first AC was a gentleman named, we call him Joe Pro because he is just such a pro, but that's indicative to our whole, our whole crew is that. So it really, um, that's why we're able to make these is because everybody gets it. They all know the deal and they show up to work and nobody's messing around. I mean, we have fun on set, but we also do hard work, you know, like, well, that's uh, why your name is the dancing director of jokes. (laughs) (laughs) We try and make it fun and we try and have fun on set because, you know, as the late Mickey Rooney uh, once told uh, myself on uh, that Jekyll and Hyde movie, Strange case if you're of not having fun, what are you doing it Yeah, yeah, he, he literally said, if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? You know, what are you doing it for? That's what he said. Uh, and uh, I took that to heart, you know. it's it's. I, I decided I wanted to lead with that, uh, lead the ship in that way that, that to try and make it enjoyable for everybody down to the grip, down to the PAs. Like I want them to have a good right. time. I want to check in on them. I check in with the PAs. Like, are you guys doing okay? Do you, is there anything you need? You know, like, are you staying hydrated? Are you, you got enough snacks? Like, you know, well, uh, let me ask you, let me ask because, you a question. What, what, what did you learn? Um, Cause we worked together on, on films before. What, what did you learn from the very beginning of your, I don't know, I would say kind of like tight career not small but tight career going backwards to now how have you advanced as a director what have you learned as a director with a crew oh uh again it's about rapport it's about respect um i think that that those kinds of things have just grown and i've appreciated that more and and tried to show my appreciation more um and and uh i think when you do that then at least as my experience is that the crew will back you up when you need it most, you know, Hey, we have to go into overtime today, you know, because this is it. This is our last time at this location. We, we need to get these shots. And then you, you have a crew that's willing to uh, go that extra mile. 
Um, and so those kinds of things have strengthened over the years and, um, um, and trust, you know, that's a big one. Trusting in the, the people that you're working with, which again, I think happens through, uh, experience together and, you know, like with Brad and, and Ruben and stuff, I, I trust them so implicitly with, uh, how the image is going to come out, you know, and, but we have long discussions. We, we, before any shoot, we talk about movie influences. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of do homework together. Like, hey, let's go watch these three Robert Redford movies. You know, and let's see what they're doing with the with the light and the you know the backlight and the, the you know natural backlight uh, on these shots on the side of a hill with the grass flowing and you know. So we kind of do all those 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 homework assignments together and kind of get on the same page of what we want the film to look like and to feel like. Uh, that's the aspiration anyways, and, uh, and the inspiration. So <clears throat> um, I think just that is it, learning to trust these people that you work with because, uh, you know, as a director, you're steering the ship and you're in charge of stuff. And at the end of the day, uh, success or failure, a lot of that does land on your lap. So I think it's it can be tough for a director to, to give up some of that control. You know, there there is right. – it, it, there's certainly no wrong or right way, I think, to do this stuff. It's art, right? So right. you've got directors who are who are who are total control freaks, and they operate. They also edit and do the score and do you know. And and there's wonderful directors that do that and and create wonderful projects. And then there's ones that are way more hands off, you know. So I think it's it's one of those things. But definitely trusting the people that you work with and uh, and building that rapport. I think is what I've learned the most uh, over the years. And, um, and, uh, and, and for my experience with actors, it's all about making them comfortable because if an actor is comfortable, they let go. And that is what you, that's what you want. That's what you're always searching for is to them not to, to be overthinking anything, you know, um, right. just kind of exist in that world. And that takes a level of comfortability. You've got to really be comfortable to do that. And, you know, a good example of that is, <clears throat> you know, we had this extra scene that we needed to film, kind of came after the edit, and we realized, you know what, we're missing this piece. We need this piece. And, uh, you know, this is long after the, the movie is wrapped, and we're like, look, I've got a good camera. Uh, Daniel Aspermonte, my my producing partner, <clears throat> him and I and Lauren were like, this is the scene. Lauren writes it. It's beautiful. And we go, look, we're just, just a handful of us. We're going to go and get this. We don't need to do the whole team and blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, just be a handful of us and we'll knock this scene out. And <clears throat> so we go and do that. And, and here's Lauren with no trailers, no nothing, none of the, the glamorous things that you would think of like a film set. You know, it's like uh, park your car over there and, and uh, you, know, the, you know, come in your wardrobe and, and, and all of that jazz. And, we go there, we're, we're just set up the camera and now you've got to ball your eyes out and deliver the most heart wrenching <laughs> thing you could possibly think of. All right. And go. <laughs> and if we didn't have that rapport, if we didn't have that relationship together, I think of, of building that trust between each other, that would be so incredibly hard to do. And right. of course, just take one Tear, crocodile tears are rolling down her face. I mean, she is incredibly talented, and, and you're just like, wow, you know. And uh, and we even got to that. I love this. Uh, 
this is a funny thing in the film industry. We got to the snot take, you know, where she's crying so hard that you've got <laughs> stuff coming out of the nose and everything. And it's like, it doesn't get more real than that. You know what I mean? It no. really doesn't. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and that's stuff you see with the greats, you know, you see that with the, you know, with the Leonardo DiCaprio's and the, and the, and the Meryl Streep's and stuff when, when they can just let go completely like that. And, uh, and, and it's incredibly brave too, uh, especially on an actor's part to let go that 100%. much is really difficult. Yeah. So it's, it's really um, difficult to go, go into that mode and to, to find that medium ground, especially when, when, you know, somebody invests so much time in a character and so much time and a feeling. I mean, they put so much into it. Um, it's amazing what, what comes out. And, and also the, you know, the undeniable connection people have with that character. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, you, you finished the California Christmas and, um, and you saw the numbers. What were the, what were the numbers like? Can you, can you tell us? Uh, for the new one or for the first one? For the well, the first one would be nice. Uh, I don't even know what the numbers were, other than that it was it went number one in the U.S., which we thought right that was it. You know, we we're like, oh my gosh, number one in the U.S. This is crazy. We didn't think anybody outside the U.S., maybe Canada, <laughs> you know, would be watching it. Uh, and then we got a phone call or a text rather, and it was like, no, 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 you guys understand, it's number one in the world. And we're like, right. what? Like, how is that even possible? Uh, and, and we saw stuff like, you know, numbers like the first one, we were number three in India, uh, like right away, like the day it released or second day it released. And we're like, really? Number one in India. India? Why, why do you, why do you well, think we were that three. is? We were number, I think we did end up going number one in India, but we were number three at that point. And, but we're just <laughs> like, how is this Christmas movie? But again, I think we didn't, it is set during Christmas and there are Christmas right. things, but we're not definitely not hitting you over the head with it. It's much more a rom-com that just takes place at Christmas. And the new movie sits in that same world as well. And I think, you know, we we get some criticism for that, which is rightfully so. Christmas is big in the title and it doesn't necessarily, it's not, you know, we don't have the blanketed snow. We don't have the, those kinds of things, but that's the whole point of California. Hold hold on a second. Let's backtrack a little bit. Now, why do you get bashed for like, because what, you're not like, um, like seeing Merry Christmas just, every five seconds. Right, right. It's not enough Christmas for some people. But but what I will say is that that actually I think is what works in our favor to be so globally uh, recognized is the fact that that it isn't so, you know, Christmas heavy that, you know, uh, the Hindu people of India aren't also enjoying the film. You know what I mean? And so, uh, so are we are we going to go yeah, into the argument Buddhist, yeah. that that yeah the, are we going to go into the argument that your film is now in the same category as Die Hard, or people when <laughs> whether it's a Christmas film? Which, by the way, that's one of my favorite movies. That's one of my favorite Christmas movies, and it is a though, Christmas movie. <laughs> even though Bruce Willis Bruce Willis said it's not. Sorry, Bruce, it is. It's a Christmas I, I don't movie. Li- I'm sorry. I, listen, Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis, man, I don't listen to you, bro. Like, just make movies and be quiet, okay? You know, like, he, I remember, I remember he, like, he, he did, a, like, um, what was that? Uh, it was that film with Antoine Fuqua, you know, such a beautiful oh, yeah. film. And he wanted him to die at the end of the film. And he goes, nobody comes to a Bruce Willis movie to watch him die. 
And, oh, uh, and okay. <laughs> the Tears of the Sun and, and, or something like that? Tears of the Sun, which is, by the way, everybody listening, that is a brilliant, brilliant film. Yeah, it's on Netflix right movie. now yeah. and also on Amazon Prime. It's a really wonderful film. Um, but, you know, he, he listen, I respect his opinion. I respect him as an actor. Um, stay, stay out of publication. <laughs> you know, just do the movies. <laughs> I love you. I love you, man. Just don't publicize the film. Just we got it, bro. You know, when I seem like in, in, in my Shyamalan film, it's the same. It's the same way. Like that is a brilliant movie. As a wonder, The Sixth Sense is a wonderful movie. A wonderful movie. I mean, if anybody who's not seen that, then you're you're a missing a perspective of your existence. That is such an amazing yeah. film. But if I were going to listen to you know Bruce Willis in that movie, I don't know. Probably you know he'd have a gun. <laughs> Halfway through the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So, you know, but it, but I, I you know I would argue that Die Hard is to me other than you know uh, Vacation Three is probably one of my favorite yeah. Christmas films. And yeah. this is absolutely a Christmas film because it's based you know on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, we we did try and put a little bit more Christmas into the sequel, but but again, we didn't want to hit anybody over the head with it. And the new movie, um, you know, we made it up to number two in the U.S., which is phenomenal, especially considering the competition level this year was astronomically higher. Uh, right. In 2020, I think worldwide there was less than 50, or maybe it was 52 Christmas or holiday movies, I should say, that were released um, in, in, worldwide. Uh, this year there was 187 uh, all released in December, so uh, or late November, December. So I mean, just that in of itself. And then outside of holiday movies and Christmas movies, you had um, heavy hitters. I mean, you had you know, Red Matrix. Notice had just released a couple weeks, and Matrix, and you have you have uh, Sandra Bullock released that movie on Netflix. And it's like great movie. You know, these are the type of uh, films that we were up against this time when they right. none of those we didn't have any of that competition last year so the fact right. that we still made it to number two was i actually didn't have delusions of grandeur i'm like hey if we make the top 10 we are lucky uh and uh you know i think all of us felt that way like you know I, I told i told you before you know you you had an established audience people like their first film you made a sequel Anybody who liked their first film, who wanted more content, that's the second film. And, yeah. I mean, literally went to number one. So it, it obviously went to number two. I'm, I'm a little surprised yeah. it didn't go to number one. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just yeah, me. Sandra, Sandra was tough to beat. Uh, that was going to be a tough one. That was um, a great film. She was film, only the man. week before. Yeah, yeah. And it was a really good film. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we had uh, – we had. Um, so number two in the U.S. and then we overall we we were uh, number three in the world, uh, which again is is astonishing, especially with the level of competition we are up against. So number three in the right. world, and we sat there uh, over a week. We were in the top ten for two weeks straight in the world, um, and then we ended up finishing uh, in the top ten for all of December, which is again quite astonishing when you when you realize we were only out for the second half of December. We only had half the month to, to right. accumulate uh, viewership, and we still made it in the top ten with, with some brilliant films uh, in that top ten. So uh, how, how, how do you just how do you, how do you feel, like, let's just say, 
let's just talk talk with humans. Well, how do you feel about the sequel to yourself? Like when you watch the film for the first time, and it, and it's you know last moments. How, how did you feel how it went? I think it's it's one of those interesting things. So I I am always heavily in pro, uh, involved in the post production process. So and on this film, I actually was an additional editor uh, as well. So I did quite a bit of the editing uh, and visual effects. I oversaw all the visual effects, um, but it's it's tough because I've seen the movie a thousand times. I mean, maybe it's hundreds of times, but whatever it is, I have seen that movie so many times. I know where every mistake is. I know where every so it's 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 interesting. I need several months now to kind of decompress from it all, and then when I watch it again, that's when I'll be able to just watch it for what it is. Um, but you know, even at this moment, if I watch it, I I just I'm too close to it. It's one of those things that. That, uh, really? but I'm still laughing and I'm still crying in those moments and all those things. You know, I get emotional uh, during the scenes that are that are really heavy and and I I do of course laugh at all the antics that are going on and stuff like that. So that stuff is uh, all of that stuff resonates. So that's usually when I know okay I've seen this 500 times but I'm still laughing at this moment. Hmm. So it's a pretty good indicator. And, of course, everybody that I've shown, you know, even just in my house, people are coming looking over my shoulder, and they're laughing when they're watching it. You know, I'm like, hey, check out the scene. Tell me what you think. They're laughing. So you get a gauge of, like, okay, I think this works, you know. Uh, and same with the emotional uh, moments as well. So you go, okay, I think this works. I think this, I hope this works, you know. But it's just being so close to it, it's really difficult to uh, to just kind of sit back and enjoy it because I'm always still thinking, like, Oh, I wish I could have added this shot here or dang it. I should have put, you know, I should have, uh, you know, d- filmed this establishing shot of this building and I forgot, you know, or whatever it, the thing may be. Um, uh, I rewatched the first movie um, uh, like on Christmas or whatever. And that was actually a lot of fun because that was a year ago now. And I'm not so close to that one that when, when I was rewatching the first one, I was actually just seeing these things that I thought we did really well. You know, it was, like, oh man, that was a really cool shot. I'm totally stoked we did that. You know, it's like a very different perspective watching it <laughs> a year later, uh, right? And uh, and and honestly, just kind of enjoying it. You know, um, right? So, but yeah, it's it is a the whole thing is a pretty interesting process uh, working on. Hey, what, what did you what, what did you learn from the first film going into the second film? Because it must must have been a wild process, considering the fact you're, you're first of all you're making a sequel. And people know that usually the middle film kind of sucks. This one does not, of course. Yeah. But, but you know, people often go, yeah. like, if it's a trilogy, the middle one usually sucks the most. Sophomore <laughs> experience usually is the worst. But it was a really Except good film. Except for Empire Strikes Back. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you got me on that one, man. <laughs> and, you know, and I would argue also Indiana Jones, you know. So, that, yeah, you, know, I mean, yeah. but, you know, by the way, which is a prequel. A lot of people don't know that. Right. Um, Indiana yeah. Jones Temple of Doom was that actually. But yeah, um, Empire Strikes Back is an amazing film. But yeah, you know, but yeah. what did that make you feel about going into a sequel? Did it make you contestuous? Did it worry you? Totally worried us. Myself, I know, and Lauren, I know. Um, you know, just based on our conversations and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, pressure you want it to be good you don't want it to have that sophomore slump you know and um 
and you know at some point you just got to kind of give up you just just uh, let go of all of that and just just try and make a movie and and I did do that I got to that place where I'm like I'm just going to make a movie and and try and have a good time while we're making it and try and make people smile and that's the goal like focus on that not on hey it's a sequel and we've got to live up to the hype and blah 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 you know if you focus on that stuff you'll just go bonkers Uh, but but I'm not going to lie and say that 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 stuff didn't come up because it certainly did and uh, you know you have to kind of fight against those things and and the pressure that that is and and, uh, a lot of pressure on Warren writing the script you know Right. We're working on a California Christmas in City Lights. How did that affect your, since we don't know the title, how did that work on, on your next film? How did that affect you on your next movie that you made for, obviously, it's going to Netflix? Uh, well, that one we actually made first. So. Um, oh, really? Enough, you made a pre? Yeah, we actually, yeah, we made that one first. Um But, uh, so it didn't affect that, but I do have another production coming up soon. So I think, yeah, there's lessons always learned. And, and of course, the goal is always to try and improve. Um, and uh, uh, I'm such a kind of a nerd and, and geek of filmmaking that mm-hmm. that's, it, it's, on, uh, it's a multi, multifaceted thing. So, of course, there's, there's the artistic side of things that you're always trying to improve and the, the um, you know, performance side of things you're always trying to improve. But even from a technical side, that's where I really kind of have fun and and start, uh, you know, experimenting with things and like, oh, I really want to do one of those rotating, you know, Stanley Kubrick 360 shots. Like, how do I, how can I accomplish that without breaking the bank? You know, stuff like that. Right. And um, and so just getting really creative with those types of things and and uh, different tools that you can have at your disposal. Like, can I get a techno crane? Probably not with the, the budget, but if I do a, cro- a drone, I can mimic that same thing, and I, you know, and I have a drone. So you start looking at those kinds of things and, and thinking about what you can do to improve or try that's going to be interesting. And, um, you know, we did do this top-down uh, rotating shot in this, in this other rom-com coming out in the summer that was very symbolic and Brad and I had discussed, um, Brad Rushing and I had discussed this shot at length and we're trying to figure out how we're going to accomplish it because basically it's our, our lead actress is lying in bed and the camera is top down looking down at her and it's rotating 360 degrees until she becomes upside down in the frame oh, and awesome. then she opens her eyes and that of course is the symbology of her world was just turned upside down. You know, and so just things like that, like thinking creative that way, um, because she now wakes up at her mom's house uh, where she was. Right. You know, she had her own place before, and all that's these very, it's very lost. Happened. Yeah. Oh yeah, love that show. By the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you told me about that show. Uh, you're the one yeah. who convinced me to watch that show. So. <laughs> yeah, that and Battlestar Galactica, by the way. Yeah, oh, I love that one too. So, but. Um, so just. So yeah. tell me, you know, like since you're working on these films right now, you know, um, you have people that work for you for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, we're going to we're going to be leaving soon. But, you know, I want to end on this. You know, what, you have people that work with you for 12 to 18 hours and some people stay longer to help out yeah. and yeah. bring down the lighting and shut the production down, especially these days in, in, in COVID times, which by the way, it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. 
what do yeah. you think is the necessary ingredients or recipe to be that person that you would hire or want to be with that could accumulate to you liking that person? Because you need to like that person who's going to be with you for 12 to 18 hours. So, so what is that person? I think a lot of it starts with, with lack of ego. Um, you know, uh, I certainly try and strive for that. I'm not saying that I'm perfect at that by any means, but as a kind of, uh, a motto and a kind of, uh, you know, way we try and operate is without ego. It's, of course, you can't be a hundred percent without ego, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the goal right. is we're trying to, and, and, and I've heard some of, uh, our awesome cast talking about that as well. It's like, none of these people have ego. Like uh, Josh and Lauren do not, they're the stars of the movie. They do not show up like divas and, you know, demanding things and all this stuff. It's a hundred percent opposite. They're like, Hey, can I carry the C stands? You know, it, that's just that type of thing. And of course with unions, you really can't do that stuff. I used to, to, to help, you know, wrap out and carry things and do all that stuff. And I got in trouble for it, you know, but um, you know, the, but that's the attitude, you know, that's the attitude that we all have is, is, you know, uh, to, to try and not have that ego. That's that's obviously just one tiny aspect of it. But the people that we're hiring, the people that we're, you know, looking at for that stuff, we really are looking for people that don't have that ego, that that's right. are just um, collaborators. You know, it's, it's all about collaboration from, like I said, uh, production design team and, and art department led by uh, uh, Michael Cooper uh, and Elizabeth Jett and Wardrobe and all those people, we're all collaborating together. And if one of us has a huge ego, it just the, the, the whole project just comes, you know, to a crashing halt. Um, right. you know, and instead we all go, okay, you know, here's these ideas, here's these ideas. Oh, I was thinking this. And it's just this very fluid collaborative process. It's not, you know, sometimes I'll get a laugh from, from, you know, a production designer. Well, he'll go, you want what? You want me to build what? <laughs> you know, we'll get those kinds of things. And we're like, well, you know, within reason, like, what, do you think you could build this? Or tell us what you think you can build, you know? So it's right, right away, he goes, well, yeah, that's what you just said is crazy. You understand I don't have millions of dollars and unlimited time, right? We've got two weeks to build this. So here's what I could give you. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Now, what if you add just this? Is that possible? Yes, that's possible. Okay, great. You know, it's this very fluid conversation with, with all the teams and all the departments. And I think it takes that kind of person who's willing to go with the flow, who's willing to pivot and doesn't have ego. I think those right. are uh, – or, or you know what I mean when I say no ego. But it doesn't have that – you know, it's my way or the highway. Excess, that excess attitude, ego. Yeah, that attitude just doesn't work, especially on our kind of productions because, like I said, any, any one person who digs their heels in – is uh, is, is just is going to ruin the whole process because we don't have well, a lot of time. Se- we don't have a lot of yeah. Prep. They're essentially a tick. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. we and, and we tend not to hire anybody that that kind of has that uh, thing. And, and we really haven't had to let too many people go over the years. Anything like that it really just hasn't happened because we all are just. You know, there's people that move on who have gotten, you know, big studio projects and stuff that we've worked with. And, of course, you're just super happy for them. And But but deep down, you're a little bummed because you're like, gosh, I'm not going to find somebody that good, am I, again, you know, again. But then we do. We find people that are really, really great. And I think part of that collaborative thing that, that um, is always, like, really refreshing and surprising is, is you know, 
maybe you have a certain, like I have a very clear vision of what I want, but I'm also very uh, open-minded. So uh, it, my way might not be the best way, you know? And if somebody goes, you know, uh, like uh, 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 Elizabeth Jett, our costume designer goes, oh man, well, I was thinking she was going to be in this flowing red dress. And, I, and I'm thinking like a yellow dress or something. I'm like, oh man, I didn't think of that. And she shows me like, thing, I go, oh, that, you know what? That's perfect, you know, or something like that. It's like, a lot of times what happens with that is that and then the production designer is like, Oh yeah, the red dress will work perfect with the with the, you know, window dressing or the window drapes or what, you know, whatever the thing might be. Right. Uh, that will really pop off the color of the walls or something like that. Then all of a sudden something is born out of that process. Like it's like, you know, it's it's different than maybe all three of us were envisioning, but it then becomes something better. You know what I mean? It becomes something uh, original, something that is, is you know, uh, and again, that can only happen if everybody that's working together is willing to to uh, collaborate on that level. Well, Sean, we're, we're, we're going now. You know, we, we've, we've hit our limit here. But, you know, I, I saw a lot of different promotions from Chico, you know, news to newspapers, you know, hyping you up, going like Chico Native and what have yeah. you. But, but you know what I mean? Awesome. It was really, it was really, really nice. You know, when you talk about, you know, the people that brought you up as well, the people that brought other people that inspired you, that's really a, a nice venue to be involved in. But if you were going to say something to a Chico Native that's listening or watching you in any of these broadcasts, who wants to be like you or somewhat in your area, what advice would you give that person? Um, <clears throat> again, uh, I kind of come back to the same thing. Uh, I've, I've said it in a bunch of interviews before, probably on your show, is, is to go out and create, um, no matter what the platform is, uh, because that is ultimately what will obviously sharpen your skills, but, but um, you will also meet new people and, and start building relationships because this business is all about, you know, they say that, you know, the, the cliche thing is it's all about who you know. It, it really is, and not in a bad way, not in a, in a you know, a lot of people might go uh, nepotism or, you know, things like that. Right. No, it's about building relationship and, and again, building that trust in the people that you work with. So if you work with somebody and you work really well together, of course you're going to want to work together again, right? You know, I was just texting with uh, Brad Rushing this morning and we're talking about, oh man, I can't wait until we get to work together again, you know, because right. it's one of those things of, you know, that's, that's the report. And of course, if he gets a movie, he's always, you know, talking to a producer and they're like, wow, well, we, we, you know, maybe we want to hire you as a, as a DP. The first thing he's always asking is do you have a director yet? You know, and then he throws my name in that hat. I'm sure he's got other directors he also recommends, but at least I'm in that conversation, which is amazing. And same thing in the reverse. I'm always pitching uh, Brad, and I'm also always pitching uh, Ruben, and you know, uh, because those are the DPs that I impeccably mm -hmm. trust, and and I know their work is awesome, and you know, so to all those things that uh, you know, and same with the editors like Brett uh, Headland, who's also a director. But I, I recommend, uh, you know, 
you're in you're in those conversations together. So it is really who you know and it's about right. building those relationships. And the only way to build those relationships is create or go and become part of something that somebody's creating, which is actually kind of the harder path. Now you're trying to audition for a part and all of those things, which you should do as well if you're if you're pursuing the acting side of things. But if you're trying to pursue the directing side of things, go create. That's what I did. Right. Um, I I my dad brought home a, you know, big old like beta video camera or maybe it was VHS. I can't remember when I was like 11 and I did stop motion animation. I did my, uh, you know, music videos and, and, uh, uh, you know, just, just experimenting at that age. And then by 16, I already had some, some, uh, you know, so a little bit of those skills under my belt and I helped uh, uh, a store that I was working at at the time. I helped them write, some commercials and then uh i i helped direct them and acted in them and and those commercials had a little bit of success uh, for the business and that's when the the people that came to make the the commercials they said hey you know what this is a lot of fun would you want to write and and act in some commercials for uh some other stores in in and around chico and i said sure why not and that kind of started that process i ended up directing you know, uh, 20 plus commercials in, in my hometown and, uh, and acting in them and editing them. It was the first time I learned editing was, was on those commercials, 16, 17, 18 years old, uh, is when yes. I worked on those. And, uh, and it was, it wasn't tape to tape, but it was real to real. Like, uh, um, I'm sorry, it wasn't real to real, but it was like a tape to tape system that was similar to real to real. So you had like a jog shuttle thing, but it was two tapes that were on that versus, you know, like film stock or whatever. And you would right. have to jog through it, figure out your edit points. And so I, I really learned that kind of old school editing first. And it, it was kind of just transitioning into the video editing uh, world. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really a, a great little, little uh, you know, dip my toe into the business. And then when I moved down to Southern California and started doing short films and but again it was all about creating so when I, I actually moved to San Diego first and I did a short film and then uh, um, met my wife and she convinced me to move up to LA she's like if you're going to pursue this we got to be up there so we went up there and then shortly after being there started doing short films and music videos for people and just you know it's like get some friends together and if they have a friend that can also come and help out now you're meeting somebody new you guys might really get on well. You guys create this little short film or web video, TikTok video. It doesn't even matter what it is. Create. That's my best advice because that creation right. will lead to more creation, which will lead to more creation. Sorry, very long-winded way to get there. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was a great conversation. You know, as we go here, people want to know how they can reach you or how they can see you. Now, I know you have a new fan page on TikTok, or not on TikTok, <laughs> yeah. but on Instagram. So, so, yeah. but you are on TikTok as well. You know, you know what's very interesting about TikTok is when I was younger, I asked the woman, I'm like, are, are you on Instagram? She goes, what do I look like? I'm 13 years old. And, and now everybody's <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> everybody's on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're constantly yeah, going to yeah. say this, like, you know, it's like you know, any way that you can show your product or show whatever you're doing, I mean, it's the formula and, you know, and it's TikTok yeah. is not going to last forever. It's going to be, you know, Micmoc, you know, around five years <laughs> from now. So it's like, you know, you better jump on it. But what, what are your social media that people can watch right now and see your, your, see your content? 
Well, Instagram is probably the one that I'm on the most. I mean, I do have a Facebook and I do have a Twitter, but mostly I just kind of feed whatever I post on on Instagram to those. TikToks, I'll get on there and, you know, do some funny dances when, when the movies are doing well or something like that. Uh, but Instagram is probably the easiest way to find me. And then I do have like a, a one of those uh, links that, that gives you access to all the stuff, which also has all my news articles. And that's direct.me backslash director Sean. Um, that's kind of like my master link thing. So you can kind of find news articles, reviews on the movies, links to the movies. Um, you know, it's kind of the hub of everything. Uh, nice. including my I do have a website as well that's just directorshawn.com uh, but uh, but yes Instagram if you look up director Sean you'll find me uh, and my my uh, handle is actually uh, at director Sean Piccinino my last name but if you type nice. in director Sean and Sean is actually spelled interesting it's S-H-A-U-N it's not W-N and it's not uh, Sean Connery uh, S-E-A-N um, but it's S-H-A-U-M. But if you type in Director Sean, I'm pretty sure you'll find me um, on Instagram, and that's kind of the main place that I post things you about say, the movies. Did you say U-A? U-A? It's S-H-A-U-N. Okay, there you <laughs> I heard you yeah. wrong. I thought yeah. you said S-H-U-A-N. And I'm like, are you joking? Oh, no, no. Like, have I been spelling <laughs> no. your name wrong S-H-A-U-N. for like 18 years now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be another thing. That'd be funny. Well, great. You know, people are going to be reaching out to you, you know, and you're also dancing director on, on, uh, on TikTok as well. So go watch him, go watch him dancing. Yeah. Yeah, Go watch him dancing up there. And of course I post those dance on my Instagram too. (laughs) Of course they travel, they travel well. (laughs) You know, thank you, Sean. And so much for joining us, you know, um, a California Christmas uh, city lights is really a, a wonderful film. Available right now on Netflix. Um, you don't need to see the first film. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to die in my own my own lungs. But at California Christmas, you you don't necessarily need to see the first film. You can just go jump into the second film. But I would recommend you watch the first film. It is really wonderful and a great place setting for the second film. And we're looking forward to new films done by Sean Pacino. Um, which when when did you say the next film is coming out? Now, the next release will be summer, summer of uh, 2022. I think July is uh, is the current um, uh, slated uh, month. Okay. I like to know because I want to know how long I'm going to stay up at night before I watch one of those films. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to take as many screenshots as I can to, uh, to show yeah. that I, I'm enjoying the film. But this film was very enjoyable. I very much liked it. And uh, I'm more than positive that anybody who's listening to this right now has already seen it. But if you have not seen it, please sit down and watch the film and enjoy yourself. Sean Piccinino, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time and your patience with some of the uh, Murphy's Law that we kicked into today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure and uh, can't wait to come back on again in the future. Thanks, bud. You have a great day. Have fun with your family and uh, happy New Year's. Happy New Year. Okay, bye-bye. Well, that was Sean Piccinino. We're going to give him the, the, the clap goodbye right there. What a great guy. We always love him out of on. We've had him on since the very beginning. Always love watching his career.
Now, where's my Claire de Lune? It should be playing right now. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. I can't go out without my Claire de Lune. You know, what's interesting about watching a director's career advancing forward, like Sean Piccinino, is looking at the lessons they learned along the way about how they adapted to the situations they're in and who they brought along on their journey. 12 to 18 hours is a very long time to spend with a human being. And you can see from the situation here, he knew what he wanted. That shows the, I wouldn't say plasticity of a director, but I would say it's somebody who knows what they want. It's inspiring to see directors who respect other people's works. As we've been talking, like Sean and I were all over the place. So it's my first episode after maybe a year break. So obviously it's going to be a little jumbled, but you can see we're talking about a lot of different projects. So this is not a director that's... This is a writer, director, producer that's watching other people's works and enjoying them. That's a lesson to be learned there. Is it stupid? Is it ridiculous to think that you need to be likable to work in an industry like fashion, film, music, entertainment of any kind? If you've listened to any of the episodes that I've done, it's not. To be... I wouldn't say ridiculous, likable, but I would say pleasant, helpful, kind, generous. I think those things are very important. I really appreciate Sean Piccinino being on this episode of Cinema Files Radio. A California Christmas and a California Christmas City Lights is available right now on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, get it from your brother or sister, your cousin, your nephew, your niece. (laughs) Trust me, they all have it. And go get it. And you'll enjoy it. It does follow a formula. But like I said earlier today, so does chicken soup. And some are bad and some are good. And this one is good. You will enjoy it. Thank you to Sean Piccinino for joining us today. I've known the guy for a very long time, and I always enjoy his presence. It's always a lot of fun. For all of you out there, we've, we've had a tough couple of years. It's been very rocky. The pandemic, breakups, moving, new jobs, quitting jobs, new careers, Losing our careers. It's been a lot of change. And I know a lot of you, just like me, I hate change. I hate it. But if I were to tell you in 10 years from now that you would be the same person you are today in 10 years, you would hate it. 
So I don't think we do hate change. I don't think so at all. I hope all of you are well. I hope all of you are surrounded by people that you love. Be successful. And by successful, I mean be happy. Live your life. Be a good person. Be kind. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening today. My name is Steve Peace. Thank you so much for listening to Simon Files Radio. Have a great day.